Verse 23, for I received of the Lord. Now Paul is talking. He had received these things from the Lord. For I received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the, same, that the Lord Jesus the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. And that takes our mind back to the Gospels when Jesus had that Passover meal with his disciples before he went across the brook into the Garden of Gethsemane before he eventually went to Calvary. It says... The Lord Jesus, in verse 23, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he brake it and said, Take ye, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup. When he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood, this do ye, as oft as you drink it, say the last four words with me, please, in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he come. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily, shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. Let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. But when we're judged, we're chastened of the Lord that we should not be condemned with the world. Let's pray. Father, thank you again for your word, for the blessing it is to have the Bible, for the Spirit of God within us that guides us into truth, that teaches us. Lord, for all these things, we're just very grateful tonight. We pray that as we go through this passage together, as we look into your truth, that, Lord, you'd help us all to apply the Word of God to our life, make this a very uh, meaningful time together, and we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Two days ago, um, in one way or another, we celebrated Memorial Day, it's a it's a good holiday. I appreciate the holiday. It's a time to remember the sacrifice of those who gave their life for us. They deserve to be remembered. And as I said, I appreciate the fact that we honor their sacrifice for our country. The Lord's Supper is also a time of remembrance. We emphasize this in reading at the last part of verse 24. It says, this do in remembrance of me. The last part of verse 25 says, This do you as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so it's a remembrance. It's, uh, it's, it's a remembrance of what the Lord did for us. Now I'm going to take our lesson tonight and I'm going to apply all of it to the ordinance of the Lord's Supper. Um, but there are three things I want to emphasize. The first one is, and this is what we spent time on in great detail Sunday evening, and that's the examination that accompanies it or the examination that precedes the ordinance of the Lord's Supper. 
um, it ought to be a personal examination. Look in verse 28. And I'm not going to re-preach that lesson, but just to review a little bit. Verse 28 says, but let a man examine himself. It's a personal examination. We examine ourselves. Now, as I'm looking across the congregation and looking at the eyes of people tonight, I'm, I just want to encourage you to think about yourself. Not think about other people. Not think about what you've done earlier today. Not think about what you're going to do when you leave here but think about your own place spiritually. Examine yourself. That's what the Bible says. Paul writes to the church at Corinth, and he said that we're to examine ourselves. And the thing that we really emphasize Sunday evening in verse 31, it says, For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. We're to judge ourselves. We're to inspect ourselves. We're to do a personal examination. This is a serious part of the Lord's Supper. It's, in the, it's this the most detailed passage in the whole Bible having to do with the ordinance of the Lord's Supper. And this is a serious part of it that we examine ourselves. He uses the word unworthily twice. Once in verse 28, if you, if you eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily. And he says again in verse 29, he that eateth and drinketh unworthily will be chastened, he'll be judged, he'll be chastised. And that just makes, makes, makes it important that we take it seriously. That's why, you know, some people have it every time they meet. Some groups have it every Sunday. Uh, I've, been in, I've been visiting in hospital rooms before when somebody will walk in and uh, ask a person, you know, a person, I'm sure, Catholic by persuasion, would you like to receive communion and just walk in, do it, walk out? But I think it's a very serious matter. I think we ought to examine ourselves. We ought to think about where we are spiritually. And as I mentioned the other night, the purpose is not to say, well, I won't take the Lord's Supper because I feel like my life is not where it should be. The purpose is that we get our heart right. And what makes us worthy? It says if you, you, if you do this unworthily, well, what makes us worthy? There's only one thing that makes us worthy, and that's the blood of Jesus Christ. That we've been cleansed, we've been washed. Number one, we're saved. We've trusted in the blood of Christ to wash us and cleanse us and make us right before a holy God. He makes us worthy. And then even as believers, you know, it's kind of like the, uh, Jesus washing the disciples' feet in John chapter 13 whenever he wanted to wash Peter's feet. And he said, no, you, you can't wash me. And he says, if you don't wash, Peter says, if you don't let... Jesus said to Peter, if you don't let me wash, then, then you have no part in me. And then he says, well, don't just wash my feet. Give me the whole bath. Give me the works, the deluxe. But Jesus said, if you've been washed once, you don't need to be all washed all over again. You just have to, your feet get dirty, though. That's what he was teaching. Your feet get dirty in this life, in, in a life of sin. We, need to, we, wash, we confess our sins. We claim the blood of Jesus for our forgiveness. So I was uh, reminded as I was studying through this, preparing for tonight about, because a lot of this comes from the Passover celebration in the book of Exodus when God led his people out of that Egyptian bondage and they, they were delivered through the blood of the Passover lamb. But that festivity, that feast, those days of unleavened bread was something that they observed every year after that. And a part of the festivity of the uh, Passover was that they would 
remove. It says in Exodus there'd be no leaven found in their homes. They'd, they'd rid their home of leaven. And even today as Jewish people celebrate the Passover, one of the things they sometimes do, parents do with their children to illustrate this is they'll hide leaven in their home. And the children will have to go find the leaven to get the leaven out of their home before they observe Passover. And leaven, as we know, is symbolic of sin. And so what that's a picture of is getting the sin out, confessing your sin, being cleansed of your sin. Personal examination is healthy spiritually. It's healthy for us to reflect on the spiritual position we're in and the needs in our life. I was just reading this morning in our we're reading through the Bible following the guide that the church uh, provides. And I was reading is about when Samuel was sent to go to visit the home of Jesse because God was replacing Jesse, uh, excuse me, replacing Saul with a king, another king that was going to be one of the sons of Jesse. And so Samuel goes to the house of Jesse. And when Samuel came to Bethlehem, the people were nervous about the fact that he'd come. They thought they'd done something wrong. Kind of like when the preacher comes to see you, you think we've done something wrong. Samuel came and they said, what'd we do? And he says, we're going to have a sacrifice. But this is what Samuel said to those people. Sanctify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. Sanctify yourselves. Cleanse yourselves. Separate yourself from things in your life that might not be right. It's just good for us. Sin... Sin is very deceitful, very deceptive. But sin is very harmful. And it corrupts us. It defiles us. It limits us. It doesn't give us freedom. It gives us bondage. Sin robs us of our spiritual power. Sin robs us of our peace of mind. Sin robs us of our victory in our life. It dulls. It, I've, I've seen this happen even recently, talking with people. It dulls our spiritual senses. The effect of sin in our life is we start to question things and tolerate things and put up with things that once we knew, we were clear about those things. Sin does not help us. But the good news is the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from our sin. If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. So the first thing we see about the Lord's Supper in this passage is the examination that precedes it. All, the, you know, all of us ought to be tonight just saying, Lord, search me. I just want my life to be clean before you. I don't want to be deceived. I don't want to be hypocritical. I want my life to be what it ought to be. The second thing I want to notice about the Lord's Supper in this text is the place where they observe the Lord's Supper. The place of the Supper. And I just want to highlight some verses as we go through it in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And look in, beginning, for instance, in verse 16. Now verse 16 is the end of a context of the first part of chapter 11, which has to do with uh, head coverings and it has to do with um, unity in the church but notice the last part of verse 16. Well, let's just read verse 16. But if any man seem to be contentious, we have no such custom, neither the churches of God. Now Paul is writing to a single church 
the church at Corinth. But he says to the, to, to the church at Corinth in this epistle, he talks about the churches, the separate individual autonomous assemblies, the bodies of Christ. And then look at, look, let's look further on in this text. Keep your Bible there looking at 1 Corinthians 11. Look in verse 17. Notice the phrase in my Bible, it's the third line of verse 17, when it says that you come together. So he's talking to the church. He's going to talk about the Lord's Supper. And he, calls, he talks about what we're doing here tonight. We're coming together. In verse 18 he says, But first of all, when you come together in the church. Now you see this pattern. It's very clear instruction. I'm glad for the way God put this together. You come together in the church. Look in verse 20. When you come together, therefore, into one place. You know, it's not everybody doing it their own place in time. No, it's coming together in one place for the purpose of the Lord's Supper. Look in verse 22. He goes, or he said, despise ye the church of God. He's talking about the local assembly. So where, is this, where does this time and place of examination and worship to take place, it's going to be taking part in the Lord's church. The Lord gave His church two ordinances. One is baptism, and baptism is uh, to primary to symbolize the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, and the fact that we're raised in Him as His children, as new creatures. The other, the other ordinance, the only other ordinance He gave is the Lord's Supper, and both of these are church ordinances. The Lord gave the authority to baptize to His churches. And the Lord gave this ordinance of the Lord's Supper to the church. Look with me if you would please in verse 25 just to illustrate this. It says in verse 25, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as you drink it in remembrance of me. And I want to emphasize a very small word, and that is the word ye. This do ye. And then in verse 26 it says, For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, this, or excuse me, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. Now the word ye, a lot of people want to get, a, get rid of the ye's and the thou's and the thine's, but they're there for a purpose. The word ye is always a plural pronoun. You never say ye to an individual. You say ye to a group of people. And he says here that, they, that this group of people were to observe the Lord's Supper. He's talking about the members of the Corinthian church. Who would observe the Lord's Supper? The members of this church, this Corinthian church. Now, everybody doesn't agree on this point. And I hope you'll listen tonight because um, I want to emphasize it just a little bit. But there are three basic observances or practices of who gets to participate or observe the Lord's Supper. And one of them is called the Open Supper, sometimes called the Open Communion. And open means that anyone who professes salvation can participate. In other words, if someone came in tonight, we may never have met them before, may never see them again. They say they're saved, they could have the Lord's Supper. That's one view, Open Communion or Open Supper. And then there's what's called the close, close supper. And close means that 
you could come and observe the Lord's Supper if you were not a member of this church, but you were of like faith and practice. In other words, if you believe like we believe, which I, I've never have really understood that, because how do you have time to get a person's doctrinal statement or belief before you let them observe the Lord's Supper? You know what I'm saying? But that's close. In other words, it's not everybody, but it's just everybody of like faith and practice. But then a third uh, interpretation of this or practice of this is called closed communion or the clo a closed supper. And that means only church members are invited to participate. Now, uh, most Baptists are either close or closed. Most Baptists aren't open. Some people are open that aren't Baptists, and there may be some Baptists that are. But our church for many, many, many years has been closed in that we, we invite only members, and I'm going to explain to you from the Bible why that's so, to participate in the Lord's Supper. Uh, to illustrate this, I want you to hold your finger here in 1 Corinthians 11 and go to the uh, two or three pages to the left of 1 Corinthians chapter 5. And just to refresh your memory while you're turning there, 1 Corinthians 5 is that passage where Paul addressed the fact that in the church there, there was some immorality going on that wasn't being judged. And Paul talks to them about how they need to address this and, and uh, why they need to address it. Gives them a doctrinal position, a reason on it. But 1 Corinthians chapter 5, nearing the end of that chapter and the end of that context, that passage and the discussion about dealing with sin in the church. Look in verse 12, 1 Corinthians 5, 12. He says this, For what have I to do to judge them that are without? And he's talking about judging them that are not in the church, those in the world. Do not ye judge them that are within? He says, you should be judging. You should be, and he's talking about sin in somebody's life. And he says to them, you as a church member, you, you church. And he used, the, again, the pro, pro, plural pronoun there, ye, ye, the group of people. You judge them that are within. Then verse 13. But them that are without, God judgeth. Therefore, put away from among yourselves that wicked person. You use a church, he says, you need to judge this. You need to deal with this. The point is, that church was responsible to maintain a measure of purity within the church. That's their responsibility. And though that person they're dealing with had to be put out of the church, could not fellowship with them, certainly couldn't have the Lord's Supper with them. And here's the point I want to make. If a sinning brother knew that he would be excluded from the Lord's Supper, then why would they include some stranger that they don't know at all? You know what I'm saying? Someone came in tonight, we don't know them. They say, well, I'm saved, can I observe the Lord's Supper? We wouldn't be unkind about it, we'd just say, no, we, we believe that the Lord's Supper is an ordinance for the members of the church to observe together. A part of the purpose of the Lord's Supper having to do with self-examination is accountability. And some people don't like to think about accountability or talk, but we are accountable to one another for our life, for our testimony, for the way we live our life. And accountability could never be experienced except for church members. It's hard enough even with church members, but it's impossible with people who aren't. And um, 
There was a time, and I'll just be honest with you, the position that we take as a church closed on the supper, thinking it's, it's, it's for members to participate, that's becoming a position that's less and less practiced. But there was a time when virtually all Baptists took that position. Uh, things have changed. And I, you say, well, what would you do if you went to a church? And I've done this. I've done it here in the States. I've done it in foreign countries where I was in a place and they're going to observe the Lord's Supper and they're participating. And I enjoyed being there. I enjoyed the presentation. I enjoyed the preaching. I enjoyed observing them observing it. But I don't partake of the Lord's Supper because I know I'm not a member of that church. That's not, a, that's not really a strict position. It's a position I believe that's based upon the Bible. And by the way, that's one of the reasons why as a church, we don't observe the Lord's Supper more often than we do. Because it's a, I think it's a very somber time. It's a very special time. I always look forward to it. But I think it's something that has to be taken seriously. And so uh, we, we frequently, when we have the Lord's Supper, usually it's on a midweek service, but... Guests are always welcome to be a part of the service. The preaching about the cross, the preaching about doctrine like we're doing tonight, that's beneficial for anybody. Anybody would benefit when you have the Bible study, you're reading and singing together, but the participation is limited to the members of the church. And by the way, that goes to people. For instance, if, if you're here as a family and you have small children, your children are not saved, or your children haven't been baptized, they're not members of the church, then they shouldn't participate. It's up to parents to teach their children that. It's up to parents to sort of uh, guide their children in that way. We rely on parents to do that. And again, even though a child may be here who is not ready to take the Lord's Supper, maybe they're not saved or they haven't been baptized, you know, they can't take the elements of it, but just uh, attending it and observing it is beneficial because it's the Word of God. So the first thing we see is the examination that precedes it. The second thing we see is the place of the Lord's Supper in the church assembly. And then concluding this, I want us to talk about the focus. What is the focus of the Lord's Supper? Look in verse 26, it says, For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do shew or show the Lord's death till he come. That word shew is an interesting word. Because it's more, than, it's more than just to show, like to visualize. It means to announce, to proclaim publicly, to declare. The Lord's Supper, even though it emphasizes church doctrine and it emphasizes self-examination, the Lord's Supper should make much of the death of Jesus Christ. You do show the Lord's death. Till he come. Someone who's not saved, someone who's not converted might wonder why. Why is it after you know 40 plus years of preaching and singing and going to church several times a week, why do you need somebody to show you again what Jesus did for you? Because we never tire of seeing what Jesus did for us. It's good for us in many ways. Um, as these disciples are reminded here, Paul is writing this in chapter 11, and he refers, as I mentioned earlier, in verses 24 and 
Or verse 23 where it says the same night that Jesus took bread. And verse 24 when he said eat and break, this is my body. And in verse 25, this cup is the New Testament. It was a reminder of the Passover meal the disciples had with Jesus before he was crucified. I've thought about this a lot of times. Who knows how many times those disciples after Jesus died for them and ascended back to heaven. How many times they had the Lord's Supper in some assembly, some church group. But I can't imagine them ever having the Lord's Supper and not thinking about what was happening in that room with Jesus. When he would leave from there and go to Gethsemane and from there to be falsely accused and from there to Calvary. Every night they, every time I should say they observed the Lord's Supper, they would be reminded afresh. So that's what it's designed for. It's, it's designed to help us remember his sacrifice. Look what he said in the last part of verse 24. And the, look at the last word in verse 24 and the last word in verse 25, the word me. You do it in remembrance of me. You do it to think about me. You know, sometimes in this life, we get to thinking that life's about a lot of other things. We get to thinking about us, our desires, our inconveniences, our heart hardships, but really Jesus said, it's about me. This is, this is about thinking about what I did. We can be very forgetful creatures. But I just want to remind you tonight, as I remind myself, that if it wasn't for Calvary, none of us would be here. There would be no forgiveness. There would be no cleansing of our guilt. There would be no hope of eternity. There would be none of that if it not were for the blood of Jesus Christ. And I think, you know, when I was thinking about this today, about all the reasons why, and I don't know all the reasons why, but the reasons why Paul wrote this and, and put this part of this epistle in this place about the Lord's Supper. And I'm not sure. But we've talked about this so many times. We talked about it Sunday night. That this church had a lot of problems. A lot of issues. A lot of carnality. A lot of struggles. A lot of things that weren't pleasing to the Lord. But you know one of the best things that can happen to you and I when we're struggling spiritually is to get a fresh view of what Jesus has done for us. To get our eyes on Calvary. Remind me. Remind me, the song says. And if we can get a, a fresh, lingering look at the cross, it just brings everything else sort of into perspective, into clearer focus. You know, um, I, I mentioned this two weeks ago in the sermon we were talking about not judging each other. But we have this tendency when we're looking all the time at other people to think about their sin. But we have this tendency when we're looking at the cross to think about our sin and what our sin cost Jesus. And it was, Jesus didn't die because of all the cruel, wicked, vile people in the world. He died because of my sin and your sin. And when we do that, we're just, it's, it's just so refreshing. It's so healthy. You know, it's a... You know, a person, could, for, a person, for instance, could get to thinking that God has forgotten me and God doesn't care about me. But I want to tell you, if you look at the cross and you understand the cross, 
you think about the fact that God does love you. It makes us appreciate His love for us. And the fact that we can be forgiven, that we can be washed, that we can be cleansed. And it just makes us want to worship Him. It makes us... it inclines us to worship Him, to praise Him, to adore Him. And tonight, I just want to take this opportunity to remind us of these basic, basic features I see in the Lord's Supper. There are other things here, but number one, again, to review, it's a time of self-examination. Lord, I, I want you to show me what needs to change in my life. Cleanse me, wash me. Second of all, it's an appreciation for the ordinance of the Lord's church and the Lord's Supper to given to His church. And then lastly, it's, it's a reminder that we ought to focus on Him. I, I, I find it interesting that in verse 26, when Paul was writing, he says, For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, talking to the church, ye do show the Lord's death till He come." So kind of embedded in that is a reminder of the future we're going to have with him. That's what he said to his disciples in Matthew before he had this Passover meal. He said, this is the last time that we'll have it together until we have it together. And I'm paraphrasing on the other side. But we will one of these days see him on the other side. Those of us who know him by his grace through faith in the shed blood of Christ. So I want to take a moment tonight and just urge you just to think on these things. You know, if all it was for a person, if all all this was for a person was just to take a piece of bread and eat it and take a little cup of juice and drink it, if that's all it was, then it's nothing more than a snack. And that bread does not become the body of Jesus. And that juice does not become the blood of Jesus. But they represent the sacrifice that Jesus made for us. And it ought to be a time of thinking about what Jesus has done for us. That every sin could be forgiven. That our lives could be changed. That we could have audience with God. It's an amazing thing. It's all wrapped up in the sacrifice of Christ. So I hope you'll think about that.